Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. It's a real privilege to be able to speak to you all today. It's a real privilege to be here. Um, The passage that we're looking at is uh, James 5, verse 7 to 12. Um, And we're going to be looking at being patient in, in suffering. So I'll be honest with you. When I first was given this topic a few months ago, I thought I'd drawn the short straw. Um, It's been a difficult year, hasn't it? It's been a difficult two years for many of us. Many of us have seen suffering. Many of us have experienced it in ways that we haven't seen before. Uh, So, yeah, I know even for me personally, this year has had some challenges as well. Uh, So I'll be preaching to myself as much as to everyone today. Um, And I know the Lord wants to to teach us a lot of things about patience and just how he can equip us in the day-to-day. And what we've seen in the chapters so far in James, um, it's a very practical uh, book on practical Christian living, uh, full of wisdom, just how to do the day-to-day life. Um, It's written to early uh, Christians, Jewish Christians mainly, who were at the time being persecuted for their faith, and they were scattered around the nations. And last week, Steph spoke about um, there was a call to, to those who are wealthy and rich and, and how they should honour um, those in their employment and not to be a source of suffering to others. Uh, this year, if you like, uh, well, this week, sorry, if you like, we're looking at maybe the poor or those on the receiving end um, of, of bad treatment or certainly those who are suffering. And at the time, as I was saying, James was writing to people who, who were facing persecution. So difficult circumstances but he just gives them very practical advice on how to deal with it. Um, So we'll look at the passage in three parts today. We'll be looking at patience, perseverance, and promise. So the first couple of verses, James, um, he's talking about how to be patient in suffering. And in verses 10 to 11, James gives us an example of uh, Job um, and his steadfastness or perseverance during his suffering. And lastly, we'll be talking about the importance of uh, keeping your promise, your word being your bond, um, even in the midst of hardship. Uh, So let's uh, read the verses. So it's starting at uh, 7, and it should come up. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Lord, as we just look at these verses today, I just pray that you will um, just bless uh, the words. I pray that you will give us ears to hear but you will help us to just do and and put into action what we hear as well, God. So patience, perseverance, promise. So firstly, 
patience in waiting for fruit. Verse 7, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. So what is the meaning of patience? It's the capacity or the ability to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. And suffering is the state of um, pain or distress or hardship. And suffering is not God's original intention. It's not what he originally intended for us. He created the Garden of Eden. He wanted us to tend animals, uh, to tend the garden. Um, And Romans 5 tells us that through one man, Adam's disobedience, sin entered the world and, and suffering then followed. And Romans 5 also tells us about one man will save us. One man will have the power over sin and death, and that's Jesus. So Jesus Christ is triumphant over sin and death, but we still live in a world where there is suffering. And we'll go on to see today how Jesus will equip us to live a fruitful life, even in the midst of suffering but still having that eternal perspective of the new heavens and the new earth. And from reading in James 1, we see that suffering produces uh, maturity in our faith, but overarchingly, God cares about our eternal future. And in our Western sort of context, in terms of physical hardship, it's comparatively not as much as, as those around the world. We live in relative comfort. If we think about our context here, in the city or the UK, we do have many privileges. We, we have the freedom, as uh, some have said earlier, to express our faith. Many of us have access to food, shelter. Our children can go to school for free. And there are simply privileges that many people do not have. Um, so I think when we think about suffering in, in our context, it's, you know, it's often to do with issues, you know, mental health is a big issue. Um, It's dealing with big life issues such as disappointment, um, a death of a loved one, sick sickness, health challenges. And I think we can can often experience suffering um, by dwelling maybe on past experiences or traumatic or sinful experiences that have happened in the past and that affects our our present. Um, Some of us may be in difficult situations now where we are experiencing hardship. Um, And this is where, you know, in Acts 2, it talks about us sharing the load and and the strong ones helping the weak ones within the church. And the church is so powerful to, um, yeah, just fill the gaps where people are in need, those of us who have a surplus, to help fill the need there. Anxiousness, you know, that was touched upon earlier as well. That can cause suffering in our present because we are looking in the future not with faith, but with, with fear, and that's causing suffering in our present. But I really felt that God wanted to um, just highlight today that he is the God of our past. He has nailed our sin, he has nailed our trauma, um, and he is a healer, and he has dealt with our past. He is the God of our future. He goes to prepare a place for us um, that is better than we can imagine, as it says in John 14. And he is the God of our present. He gives us all that we need according to his riches. He is our daily portion, our daily bread. And there is a call on us as Christians to bury our past with Christ, to live in his ever-present grace in the moment, 
and to gaze in excitement and wonder at our eternal future. And James, he gives us an example from nature to illustrate his point uh, on us waiting in the present, even in the midst of suffering. He, uh, he points to the farmer and he said, look, look how the farmer waits, waits for that precious fruit, uh, waits for that harvest. And when James is talking about the early and the late rains, he's, he's talking about the rains that are most critical to bearing fruit. Um, the late rains is referring to the autumn rain, which is critical for um, the seeds to grow. So after a summer where it's dry and, and the land is thirsty and parched, those autumn rains are critical for, for the crops to start growing. And the early rain is actually the spring rains, and in Palestinian um, sort of climate, that's when they would harvest and reap. So that rain was critical as well in order to get the crops. So just as the farmer waits for these critical rains, um, we have periods of waiting, don't we? Periods of suffering, periods, periods of feeling dry, waiting for dreams to be birthed, waiting for giftings to be matured, waiting for the fruits of the Spirit to be evidenced in our life, waiting for prayers to be answered. And if we look at, oh, if we go to the other slide, if that's okay, the ploughed field, if that's all right. Yeah. So sometimes in our life, it might look like this. Can't it? I actually think that looks quite beautiful, but you sort of think, what's going on there? But the farmer has put so much effort into that. There's been so much sowing, working, um, planting seeds. And sometimes in our life, you know, we're working hard, we're sharing the gospel, we're loving our neighbours, we're living by faith. We're reading God's words, we're rooting ourselves in good soil. And we say, God, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit we've worked, we've planted? When will the pain end? When will the suffering end? And sometimes we have that initial excitement of getting to work, starting a new job, starting a new project. But it comes to a point that we've done all that we can. We've ploughed, so to speak. But there's nothing left to do but allow God to do what he needs to do in that season. And just like the farmer has ploughed, uh, prepared the soil, sown seeds, there's an element that there's nothing more that they can do apart from wait and look to heaven and wait for those rains to come. And it's in this space that our faith is tested. It's in this space that it's a work of grace and we know that it's not our efforts that will produce the fruit. It's all ultimately God who's in control and he sustains us in every season. And it's in this space that we learn to be still and know that he is God. So if we go to the, the fruit slide, which comes next. We love this season, don't we? Yeah. This is, I, mean, I mean, I'd love this all year round, to be honest with you. So after the autumn and the spring rains come, you know, the, the passage is saying it leads to precious fruit. We're waiting for precious, precious fruit. Um, evidence of what we've sown, um, answered prayers, God's fulfilled promises. 
more of his grace in our life. And this season, is, it's easy to be patient, isn't it, in this season? It's easy to be joyful. It's easier to be kind in these seasons, isn't it? Uh, but James is very matter-of-fact. As Christians, and to be honest, in the world, we will face suffering. So what do we do in those moments? We continue to look to God, whether it's a dry season or an abundant rain season. We continue to sow gospel seeds in our day-to-day for the kingdom. And you may be in a season of waiting. I know many of us probably are in a season of waiting. But there is an, an encouragement here that the rain will come. There's an encouragement here that precious fruit will come. And we have to trust his timing. In, in Genesis 37, we see Joseph. He has an amazing dream that he's leading his family. His family are banged down. His brothers weren't too happy about hearing that. But he was so excited. And literally, very shortly afterwards, he's so, sold into slavery. And it can often be like that, isn't it? We're carrying dreams, promises. But then the reality is we're facing hardships. But he was so faithful. He had a long journey, 13 years of extreme suffering, of being betrayed, um, lied about, working hard and not being recognized. But at the end of that, God fulfills his promise. And his reaction when he sees his brothers who have betrayed him is just so amazing. He forgives them. And he looks at them through a lens of grace. He doesn't grumble. Um, And what he says is, God has purposed this in my life to save us. What an example of patience in suffering. Um, And if we go to the next slide... Your, your situation may look humble. It may look a bit like this small plant here. You may not see a lot of fruit at the moment. But if you look at the deep, the, the roots, sorry, they're going so deep. There's a lot of work that's going on underneath before you're, you're getting to the fruit. And the Bible says when we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we are powerful in his kingdom. Isaiah 61 says... We, we will become like oaks of righteousness for his glory. What a beautiful picture. And I had a look at some tiny acorn seeds, and you just think, how do these tiny things then grow into this tree like the one in Hampstead Heath? And it started off like that. And I read somewhere that for an oak tree, to, they actually don't really start producing acorns until about 20 years in. And it takes about 50 years for them to be at their height of producing fruit. And I, and I think about this oak tree and I think, wow, it's weathered a lot of different seasons, tricky seasons. But what's happening with those roots? It's getting deeper. The tree is getting stronger. And God wants to raise us up as mighty oaks that can weather all sorts of different situations. So... And that will mean that we will face hardships before seeing the harvest. But we're getting stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper in Christ. And we live in an age where we want instant results, instant gratification. But often the work of the Lord can take time in us to produce character 
and fruit. Um, and it just struck me, if we go to the next one again, just how, you know, the process before you see anything, there's just so much going on before you actually see anything. But it's good, that rooting process. And, you know, often our favorite people in the Bible, you know, they didn't see the fruition of their promises until later in life. And it's, it encourages us to keep going, doesn't it? It encourages us to wait on God, that he will deliver his promise in his way, in his timing. And all the while, we are becoming more beautiful. We're becoming stronger and more glorious for his kingdom. But James doesn't sugarcoat suffering. He tells us that when we suffer, we need to be patient. And at this point, if this was, I don't know, David writing a Psalms or one of the other writers, we might have a bit more sort of sensitive care to this subject. But James is very practical. He is exhorting us not to be too introspective with our suffering. He is exhorting us to turn our gaze to Jesus, to focus heavenward. He is exhorting us to live in peace with one another. In verses 8 and 9, he says, We must establish our hearts and we must not grumble against other people. So this period of waiting and being patient, it's about establishing our hearts before God. It's about shifting our focus from our circumstances and from other people to God. It's about knowing that when everything else is stripped away, we will turn to Jesus. And when James says the coming of the Lord, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand, there's a sense of urgency here. And as we've seen in previous weeks, we're living in the end times and we should have a healthy sense of Jesus' return. And, you know, there are so many scriptures in the Bible that, that support this as well. In Matthew 24, it says, we don't know when Jesus will return. In Matthew 25, it says, to be wise is to prepare for the bridegroom's return. And by living with an understanding of Jesus' return, we're having that eternal perspective and understanding of our present suffering. And this enables us to withstand um, temptations and trials. And so while you're waiting, it says, don't grumble. And does it sound easy? It's not easy in practice, is it, when we're going through a hard time, when we've got difficulties, crazy workload, challenging, challenging parenting issues, health problems. It's not easy. But James is suggesting here that, okay, what's the positive action or the opposite of grumbling? And that's to love, to be kind, to encourage, to envision, to pray with, even when you're facing hardship. And we have to question our hearts. What do we do when we're facing hardships in our life? What do we do? Are we the ones to grumble? And John Bloom in Desiring God writes, the opposite of grumbling in the soul is gratitude. And gratitude also gauges our gaze on grace. And it tells us that we are seeing grace. But grumbling is how the created respond to the creator's decision to do or allow something to happen that we do not desire or agree with. Grumbling scorns God 
because it elevates our desires and judgment above his. So grumbling is really a, it's showing a heart thing that we're not trusting God. And by putting our trust in God, you know, we're able to love each other better. Unity in the church is so important. And he's also saying when we grumble, we're actually setting the bar higher for ourselves. So these higher expectations, God is going to judge us by the higher expectations. Um, And in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are those who are merciful because they will receive mercy. So as we practice that, we also get mercy from heaven as well. So we, to sum up this section, we, we need to establish a heart before God in these hard seasons. We need to love one another well, even when we're going through a hard season. And Jesus will be so faithful. He's so faithful. And it's such a powerful testimony to others. I think when people see, wow, they're able to be joyful, they're able to be patient, Look what they're going through. It's such a powerful testimony and pointer to the work of Jesus in our life. So let's look at perseverance. Okay. So verse 10 to 11. As an example, as an example of um, suffering and patience, look at the prophets. Behold, we consider them blessed. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So we can read about the prophets uh, throughout the Bible, but in Hebrews 11, um, 32, it sums up, you know, Gideon, Samson, Daniel, their, their weakness was made perfect and a powerful dis- display of, of God working through their suffering and fulfilling his promise. But let's look at Job. Job, I mean, he suffered so much. He had everything stripped away his wife, his family, his home, his livelihood. But he remained faithful. He didn't sin. And his, his suffering wasn't a result of his sin. Sometimes we don't ex- understand why these things happen. But he knew that it was for the purposes of God. And when I think about Job, I just think about how many millions of people have been blessed by his story. And it's an example of you know, the promises that we see in the Bible My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I won't give you more than you can bear. And I have to say, my trials are nowhere near as bad as Job's was. Uh, But certainly I've suffered a few things every now and again that haven't been easy. And uh, one of the things that Rich and I have been through was, some of you may know, it took us a while to have children. And that that was, yeah, probably one of the hardest points in my life, certainly, and, you know, we're in our 20s. We thought, yeah, let's, let's start our family. And it just didn't happen. And, um, you know, during this time, it was, a, it was a real, it was a difficult time. And especially when you have expectations of what's going to happen in your life. And when it doesn't work out that way, trusting in Jesus, being patient in his plan, it's not easy. But I have to say, even though it was some of the lowest points in my life, it was also some of the deepest most meaningful times I've had with Jesus because everything else was stripped away and I had to turn to him. The doctors were like, you're not going to get pregnant naturally. So, you know, that was another sort of um, door shut on the issue. And what happened? Jesus fulfilled his promise. It wasn't in my timing. I would have done it much sooner. (laughs) 
But he did it. And we've got two children, conceived naturally. Praise God. And what a powerful testimony. And for Rich and I, it's, it's a testimony for us. Because like, look at the mercy and grace of God. And we're able to share this story. And I love sharing this story because, you know, when, when you have a door closed and God says, no, well, I will open it in my time, but just trust me, trust me. Continue to establish your heart. Continue to serve faithfully. Oh, he's good. So perseverance sometimes just looks like going again and again in prayer and waiting, waiting for those rains, waiting for the breakthrough. You know, if you look at Hannah in Samuel 1, she, she was praying to the point where the priests thought she was drunk. And God answered her prayer. But it had been many years of her praying, but at this particular point, God answered her prayer, changed her situation, and she bore a son. So time and time again, we see God is compassionate. He is merciful. And people in the Bible, they go through difficulty, but we always see fulfilled promises in their lives. And looking back at Job, it says his latter days were better than the first. He was restored double what he had lost. What a merciful and compassionate father. So lastly, um, we're going to look at promise. And um, I have to be honest with you, I don't fully understand why James has put this on the end, because we've been talking about suffering and patience in that. And he, he finishes off to say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And having a think about this, I, I, I was thinking, actually, when we're going through hardship, when we're going through suffering, we probably give ourselves excuses not to, not to fulfill what we've said or commit. Um, it could look something like, do you know what? I said I'll do that, but I'm so busy, I'm just not going to be able to do it. It could look like saying yes to too many things, best intentions, but just not following through. Um, Jesus wants us to live a life of honour and integrity with each other in every season. So there is a calling on us, even when life is hard, to still honour your word. And that builds trust amongst the church community. Um, and Jesus also talks quite strongly about not taking oaths. And not to say there's anything wrong with, with signing an oath or not making an oath. Um, but Jesus is saying, your, your word must be so full of honour and, and integrity, you shouldn't need to sign a piece of paper to confirm that you have every um, intention of delivering on what you've promised. And James is, is repeating things that Jesus has said quite a few times on taking oaths. And the ultimate example of, of following through on promise is Jesus. He lived a, a life of humble sacrifice, he loved despite being continually put down and suffering, ultimately dying on a cross to pay a debt that we couldn't pay. And after being falsely accused, what was Jesus' response? Forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. So even at probably the height of his suffering, Jesus looks at us through a lens of grace, not grumbling. What abundant grace in the midst of suffering what abundant grace that we get to spend eternity 
in heaven with Jesus because of his work on the cross. And Jesus is the best covenant keeper, the, breath, the best um, promise keeper. And in Romans 8, it says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He enables us to be patient in hard times. And ultimately, we live, we live in hope that like what it says in Revelation, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. And I realise that this passage may have stirred a lot in people because many of us are facing uh, hardships and trials at the moment. Uh, James doesn't give the softest answer, but it's a very practical uh, encouragement to fix our eyes on Jesus, um, to fix our eyes on eternity, to continue to love each other uh, in the day-to-day. But if you do need some pastoral (laughs) prayer and care, um, there is a team here that would love to pray with you. Um, And uh, yeah, I know it can be a bit of a difficult season at the moment with everything going on. Some of us are in that season of waiting for the rain, waiting for fulfilled promise. Um, And if you would like prayer um, about that and just for more patience and grace, grace for your brothers and sisters, (laughs) I would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. So I will be yeah somewhere at the front if you wanted to um, get a bit of time of prayer. But I will hand back to Steph now.